0: It's good to be back. Good to see you guys. Man we got some new things happening. Anybody notice some things are new Yeah, yeah new merch, new name rebrand new things. sometimes you got to make room for new That's the word for tonight. Look, if, if you weren't here last week or you're not familiar, maybe you're new here and you don't even know that we had a different name. But we had the name Fusion for a good 20 years. I have not been the pastor for 20 years. But we've had a young adult ministry here at this church for a long time, since the early 2000s, like literally 20 years. And about 20 of those, it had the name Fusion. And as a church... How many of you guys go to Victory? Like You are here on Sundays. There we go. Any of you guys who don't have your hand up, we invite you. Hey, we got service this upcoming Sunday. Every Sunday, we've got service, and we invite you, man, to come out and get plugged into the full life of the church. But um, as a church, we went through a a transition of leadership from Pastor uh, Dennis and Colleen, who founded the church, to Pastors Johnson and Summer Bowie, who used to be the young adult pastors. And then they became our first campus pastors for our Victory Hamilton Mill location. Um, And then they became the senior pastors in 2020. And as a part of that transition, we redid a lot of things that we've been going through, a lot of shifting and changing and restructuring as an organization. And one of the things that they did was they took all of our ministries, which is a lot of ministries, through a rebranding process so that we could move forward more united in the future. And so all of our campuses are able to move forward with the same vision. All the ministries don't have different visions and different names, but we're able to actually move forward as one church because how many of you guys know that God is calling us to do his vision together? And so, I'm going to be real with you guys. It was a tough one. It was a tough one because we we liked the name Fusion. We liked our social media handle having Fusion in it. It just was a vibe. And so we tried to hold on to it, right? But let me tell you something, man. One of the things that I learned in the process was sometimes we can be trying to hold on to something that God is trying to take from us. And God doesn't take from us something that's best for us. And God doesn't take from us something that is, not going, to ser- that is going to serve us best in the next season. So God is not taking from you what's actually going to be best for you in the next season. He may be taking from you what worked for you in the last season. And he's trying to give you what's going to work best for you in your next season. And sometimes we can be so attached emotionally, through preferences, through all types of things. Just time spent. How many of you guys have been in a relationship too long just because you had spent so much time in the relationship? That is one of the worst reasons... To be in a relationship just because you've been in it for a long time. That's the word for tonight. No, okay. <laughs> Sometimes God is trying to do something new in your life. And like I said, I've, I've learned this just through this process. I'm very excited about where God is taking us because he's just breathing fresh air, fresh energy, fresh vision into us as a ministry. And how many, how many of you guys know maybe after 20 years you need something new? right? You guys, you got, any of you guys were here 20 years ago? No, it was a totally different group of people. And God is trying to do something new. And I want to invite each and every one of you guys as an individual into what God is doing in this place. Because this isn't just a show that we're putting on for you guys. you guys to come in and watch or consume. But this is a community of people that God is inviting you into. And the vision as we sat down to really work through like, okay, what is this ministry? What is the heart? What is the purpose? What is the vision? What is the reason? My wife did a great job explaining a lot of it to you guys last week uh, and talking about legacy and purpose. We believe that the decisions you're making in these young adult years are some of the most critical decisions that are going to determine the life you live and the legacy you leave. You can be making decisions in your 20s that are either going that you're either going to appreciate in your 30s or you're going to regret in your 30s. Come on. You can be making financial decisions, career decisions, relationship decisions that you are either going to spend the rest of your life trying to fix or you're going to spend the rest of your life building on top of. And you don't want to spend... This portion of your life, just trying to do things your own way, resisting God and building something that ultimately you're going to have to tear down or it will tear you down. So we we said this is this is one of the most critical seasons in your life. And this is why victory as a church has this ministry. This ministry is a gift to each and every one of us from our senior pastors for them to invest in this age group because they believe in us so much. So that's our purpose and the vision is to really see a thriving community of young adults who are fully alive in Christ. And we, we crafted that with, with much of the language of the vision of our church, but not to be like a catchy tagline, but to be like the truth, to be a thriving community Not just people who are attending, not just a large crowd, because you can be a crowd and not a community. You can be a crowd full of people who are not connected. That's called a concert. (laughs) Large group of people, none of them know each other. They're all there to watch what's happening and enjoy and be entertained, but they're not there together. They're there individually, and there's a lot of them. And that's, if you're not careful, that's how church can be. We don't want to be that. We want to be a thriving community. One of the most amazing things that I love about this uh, that people oftentimes mention when they come to this place for the first time is they're like, man, to see this many people my age going after Jesus just does something for me. Has anybody experienced that? Just seeing other people... In your age range, going through the things that you're going through, living in the same world that you're living in, coming in and going in, going after Jesus. And so we want to be a thriving community. So it's important for us that we are actually connected. So that would be my encouragement to you guys tonight is, man, what would it look like for you to get more connected? Not connected with the church Organization not connected with the church building, but connected with the church people. Like what would it look like for your peer group to be reflective of your relationship with God or the direction you're trying to go in your relationship with God? Because some of us, we're trying to make progress with God, but then we're surrounded by people who are not. Some of us, like we come to church and th- it's concert for us. Like we're here, We don't know anybody, but we're here, we're watching, and then when we leave, the people that were around are not helping us in our walk. And that's not going to help you in the long run. Remember, you're either building something that you're going to appreciate or building something that you're going to regret. And the people that you are walking through life with are the people you're building with. You may not realize you're building with them, but you are building with them. You're, you're either building memories of, that you're going to regret, memories that you're not going to necessarily want to reflect on in the future, or you're building memories that you are going to appreciate and that you're going to want to share. And that's important to us. And so we want to be a thriving community of young adults, and not just a thriving community, but a thriving community of young adults who are fully alive in Christ. Here's what that means. It means you don't just believe in Jesus and come to church, but Jesus is actually making you more alive. You are experiencing the fullness of life that he came to give you. We don't believe that Jesus just came to give you some new rules to live by, but he came to give you a new life and a more abundant life, a more full life, a more joyous life, a more peaceful life. You should experience that you are coming more alive as you are walking with Jesus. Because when you're walking with God, you're walking with the person who created you. When you're you're not walking with God, you're walking further and further from your original intent. But if you're walking with God who originally formed you and fashioned you and created you and designed you, then it would make sense that as you walk with him, you become more of who you were always supposed to be. And if we're not careful, we'll just be becoming more of what we want to be. And what you want to be isn't always based on the right things. But what you're supposed to be is what's going to bring you fully alive. And so we want to be a thriving community of young adults who are fully alive in Christ. Amen? All right, I'm going to drink some water real quick <laughs> while y'all digest that. So when I look back at my younger, young adult years, I had like a defining period in my life that really set the trajectory for the rest of my life. I was on the path of building something that I was gonna have to tear down. I was really on the path of building all the things that I was gonna regret. And I was adamant about achieving my own goals. And that that was the tension point that I came to with God. My issue with God, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Looking back on it, just honestly, I didn't think that what God wanted for me was going to make me happy. Has anybody ever felt that before? I felt that what God wanted for me was going to make him happy. Like, God will be very happy, but I won't. And what that, I didn't say that out loud, but all of my actions reflected that. Maybe some of you guys can relate to that. That, like, you like the idea of Jesus, but when you really look at the life that he's wanting you to live, you want to find another way. Like that doesn't look appealing. That does not look like it would make me happy. That looks like something that would make somebody else happy, but not me. And for me, I was very ambitious and had decided I felt like I could achieve whatever I put my mind to. And having that mindset in combination with feeling like I had a better plan than God, it led me to just walk on my own. I hadn't been in church in like seven years before I ended up at Victory. I hadn't been in church in a long time. And I didn't even realize like how far I had gotten from God. And when I look back, I'm like, I was totally far from God. But I wonder, like, man, what was, my, what was I thinking in my head? Because the truth was, I was in full-blown sin. But, like, I feel like if you asked me at the time, like, hey, bro, like, you feel like you're going to hell? <laughs> I would have been like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but I was in full-blown sin. No relationship with God just a belief that kind of lingered from my past and from my upbringing because I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in church. My parents are solid believers. But I, for some reason, I guess I felt like I had still held on to more of my faith than I really had. And I was in full-blown sin, full-blown darkness. And it's interesting, the Bible actually contrasts light and darkness and refers to sin as darkness and refers to being away from God as darkness. And the interesting thing about darkness is darkness can be very appealing. We live in a world that talks like it's full of light, but is drowned in darkness Nobody knows where they're going. Nobody knows which way is up, which way is down. Nobody can define anything anymore. Nobody can say really which direction they're going. Everybody's just feeling their way around like you do in the dark. And it's interesting... I was thinking about this, and I remembered that I had heard about this fish one time. There is this fish that, like Bane, was born in the dark. Some of you guys got that. This fish is born in the dark, lives in the dark, remains in the dark, and this fish lives so much in the dark that it has no need for eyes. So the fish is, is born with eyes, but then the eyes disappear, and it has no eyes. This is called the blind cave tetrafish. You guys see any eyes? No, you just see where eyes, like, should be, but they're not there. And it has not much pigmentation, not much color, because it doesn't see much light. And I believe that much of our world is living like this fish. This fish doesn't feel like it's missing anything. I don't think this fish is swimming around with the other tetra fish complaining about not having eyes. The, the fish has become so used to its environment that it doesn't even think about light. It doesn't think about vision. It doesn't think about the fact that it doesn't know where it's going because it, it, it's adapted so much to its environment and it's just gotten used to Feeling its way around. Because when you cannot see, your only guidance is what you feel. So the fish, if it runs into a wall, it can feel the wall. And all right, I'm going to just go this way. And the world that we live in, the society that we live in, the the way that the culture is moving is underneath all of the cries for liberation and freedom. It's all saying we can't see. Let us feel our way around. None of us know where we're going. None of us have it figured out. Let's just go based on what we feel. And this isn't a new thing. This is how the world has always operated. And here's why. We, we, we learn why when we look at the letter of 1 John. And, and, and I'm, I'm about to open it up, but I, I want to give a little bit of background on why this letter is being written. This letter is being written by the Apostle John. And he's writing it to the church. And, and as I read this, if any of you guys were here five years ago, most of you guys were not, when I first became the pastor here, uh, my first series was from this letter. And it was a series called Black and White, uh, just about some things that God was showing me. And when I was reading it back then, I, I saw a lot of the theological things, but like as I've spent a little bit more time living, you know, a little bit more time reading the Bible, it's like the more I read the Bible, the more immersed in it I become, the more real, it feels. And, and recently as I'm reading this, I'm reading it not as the Bible because it wasn't written as the Bible. It was written as a letter to the church. So John writes a letter to the church because he was concerned about some things they had going on. And he wanted them to understand certain things. And so he's writing to address very specific things. And so it's so important as you read scripture, understand that scripture is being written for a reason. And the things that it's addressing, it's not just throwing out random theological statements. It's not just throwing out random ideas. But it's actually methodically addressing everything that we need addressed. And this letter that John was writing to the church in his older years was just as relevant to them as it is to us today because they were facing many of the same things. They were surrounded by a world that didn't know where it was going. And all of these weird teachings were trying to come into the church. And there were a lot of people, you know, just a few years after Jesus had, had resurrected and the church was started, how many of you guys know that it was pretty quick that false doctrines started trying to creep into the church. And so there, immediately they were trying to attack whether Jesus was really God, whether He really came as a man, whether sin was really sin. Anybody heard that one? Whether God really wants us to like behave a particular way, or whether we're just like supposed to do what comes. Naturally to us, and there was this wooing that people were coming in the church trying to woo people towards of just do what comes naturally to you. God doesn't want to impose these things on you. God, God doesn't view that as sin. And John writes this letter to very specifically address issues that were taking place in the church. And this is what he writes in First John chapter one. Uh, first, he explains that Jesus really did come in the flesh, that Jesus really was God, and that he saw Jesus with his own eyes. He saw Jesus with his own eyes. He's like, we saw him, we touched him. He really did show up as a human being. He really was the son of God. And then he says this in verses five through 10. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. So before I even move any forward on that, He says, this is the message we heard from Jesus, and this is what I share with you. Let that sink in. That God is light. Who saw that coming? This is the message you heard from Jesus? That God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We're a thriving community. Come on. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, not God. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's a strong couple of sentences. Why is he saying this? He's saying this because... There was a doctrine trying to creep into the church saying that there's no such thing as sin, saying that we don't have sin in our lives, saying that God is not trying to change us at all, that there's nothing wrong with us. And what John is doing is he's not just writing a random letter like, hey, if you don't think you have sin, you do have sin, and you need to be condemned. That's not what he's doing. He is addressing the reality that, look, I don't care what people are trying to tell you, the Jesus I know, the Jesus I met, the Jesus I walked with. I heard him teach. I watched him raise the sick and, and, and raise the dead and heal the sick. I watched him cast out demons. I watched him and I heard him. And this is the message that he brought. I don't care what, what these new people are trying to present to you, trying to ease up on the righteousness of God. The reality is Jesus came saying that God is light, And in him, there is no darkness at all. This was the only, like, analogy that would even illustrate how sinless God is. That, first of all, before you examine your own life, you need to understand who's examining your life. Before you talk about yourself, you need to understand who God is. So we enter the conversation talking about who God is. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. I want us to walk through this. Just look at that statement. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. When's the last time you thought about that? God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. He's that pure, he's that holy, he's that righteous, he's light. Where does this this come from? This isn't the first time we've even seen this language. We can go back to Genesis, the creation story. Look at the first thing God creates. In verses two through four, it says, the earth was without form and void. This is the second verse of the Bible. The first one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Says here, the earth was without form and it was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be grass, (laughs) let there be animals, let there be humans. No, no, no. The first thing that God addressed in creation was darkness. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And here, pay attention to this in in verse 4. And God saw that the light was good. Not the darkness was good. He saw darkness and said, let there be light, and saw that the light was good. Before the light, there's no good. He saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. This is how the Bible starts. This is how he kicks things off separating light from darkness in creation. And somehow humanity had gotten to the point where they were teaching that light and darkness could mix. So John is having to address that the one who was in the beginning with God, because John in his gospel, in the gospel of John, he kicks off his gospel by explaining that Jesus was with the Father, in the beginning, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were made through him and for him. Without him, nothing was made that's been made. So Jesus was there at the beginning when light was created. Jesus was there separating light from darkness, And when humanity had gotten to the point that Jesus was ready to step in and intervene, the message that he brought was God is still light. And in him, there's no darkness. There might be darkness around you. There might be darkness in your life. There might be darkness in your house. There might be darkness in the world. But there is no darkness in him. And that wasn't bad news. That was good news. Because you can't look anywhere on the planet and find no darkness. But you can look to your heavenly father and find no darkness. This is why the gospel is good news. This is why Jesus actually came with a message of hope. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of hope. This is why he moves to, look, if you just ignore the fact that there's darkness, you never get the light. If you ignore the fact that there's sin, you never get cleansed. You never get the benefit of being in a relationship with God if you think you don't need anything. But God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. That's why there was no room for you and me before Jesus. This is the message, that God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. You and I, without Jesus, we have darkness in our lives, so there's no space for us in God. Because there's no space for darkness in God. This was the tragedy that humanity was facing. This is the tragedy that you are facing if you do not have Jesus in your life. It's the fact that there is no space for you in God because there can be no darkness in him. And if you try to hold on to the darkness in your life, you are keeping out the best thing for your life. And when we try to hold on to things that we need to let go, we miss out. what we were really created for. And so he says in in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And he's addressing this straight on because if he doesn't, there's going to be confusion. There's going to be like a, well, like you can be a Christian and still, right? You know how often I, I get asked, hey, so is it bad if. So like I love God, but like, do you think. So do you think it's like really wrong if. And it's the wrong question. And, and it's an indication when you start thinking that way which is natural for all of us because like changing is uncomfortable and changing on your own is impossible. And some of us, we feel like we have to change our own lives to be in relationship with God. And we feel like, like okay, we say this prayer, I receive Jesus into my heart and then I go change my life. And that's not how it works. And this is why people say that Christianity doesn't work for them because that's the way they tried is they tried to change themselves. And this is why when you're talking to a world that doesn't want to change, this is why the world does not want to change because the world can't change. You can't change without God. And we have to understand this when we're communicating with people because we're arguing with people about the lifestyles they're living when they don't have eyes to see. And so you're trying to tell somebody who cannot see to not go by what they feel. But until you show them how they could see and that it's possible to see, there's no point of telling them what not to do. And this is where we've missed it significantly as a church. This is where we miss it and call it evangelism when we're just putting an impossible standard in front of people. You need to be like Jesus when they don't have Jesus. You need to live like there's the transforming power of the Holy Spirit inside of you when you don't have it. How does that work? Jesus didn't tell you to do that. Jesus doesn't tell us to change and then come to him. Jesus tells us to come to him and he's going to change us. But we have to understand that that's the process. You don't come to Jesus and get the opportunity to stay the same. You missed it. You missed it. It's like getting on the boat and the boat just stays on the dock. Why'd you get on the boat? The boat's going somewhere. Jesus is going somewhere. Jesus is inviting you into relationship with him to take you somewhere, not to leave you how you are. But we have to understand that it's Him who's light. And when you're talking to somebody who's walking in darkness, many times it's because they do not have light. But for you, if you have the light, He's saying that this is a contradiction that you cannot claim to be in fellowship with light and walk in darkness. Make it make sense. It's like if I'm walking around with a floodlight, I have the light, and it's dark around me. How, how can that work? It doesn't even make sense. It's not practical. I cannot be walking in the light and walking in darkness. And Jesus is saying that it's the same, that you cannot be in relationship with the light, claim to be one with the light. because. Sometimes we need to be reminded of these things. That the Bible tells us that we are in Christ. That we don't just believe in Christ, we are in Christ. Seated in Christ. Hidden in Christ. That means we are in light, flooded with light, hidden with light, hidden in light. So, how could you be in darkness? The Bible tells us that in Christ, you are righteous. So, how could you live? unrighteously it doesn't make sense and why would God go through all of that trouble to make you righteous for you to never experience the righteousness that he came to give you sometimes we don't realize that we're missing out not God when we don't receive the power and walk in righteousness we miss out You're walking in darkness before God. Why walk in darkness with God? Why receive light to walk in darkness? So, what does it mean to walk in darkness? I think first we need to understand what darkness is darkness is an absence, darkness is not a substance. Darkness is an absence. It's an absence of light. This is why darkness just was there at the beginning, because there was no light. Without light, there is darkness. And darkness is present wherever the instruction of God is absent. Darkness is present wherever the instruction of God is absent. Without instruction from God, without the word of God, without the life-giving instruction of God, we are in darkness. Darkness, because we are without light. Darkness is not something you can create. What is darkness made out of? Nothing, really. Darkness isn't anything. It just shows that something else is not there. So what the Bible is telling us is you cannot have God and walk like he's not there. You cannot have the spirit of God dwelling in you. You cannot be the temple of God and live like he's not there because darkness is the absence of God. God is light. Without God, there is darkness. So how can I have God and my actions all reflect that I don't have God? This is why it says that the instruct, where the instruction of God is absent. Because it's about how we live. Without any instruction, there's no sin. If God never says what to do, then there's no such thing as sin. But when God says what to do, sin appears. This is what Paul says. He says that the law, he calls it the law of sin and death. Because the law, as soon as God gave Moses the law, it doomed humanity. Because it gave us a bunch of stuff to disobey. If you got no rules in your house, nobody's mad. As soon as rules come into play, there's something to cause tension. So... I'll give an example that's maybe a little bit more applicable to your life. Most of us want like a romantic relationship that has some rules and some boundaries. It's the fact that it has rules and boundaries that we call it a relationship. Otherwise, it's nothing, just a stranger. Where where there's no definition, where there's no expect first of all where there's no expectation there's no definition and where there's no definition there's nothing there but now let me know you guys may have a different perspective does anybody want a romantic relationship with no rules anything goes that person can do whatever they want you can do whatever you want that's not a relationship right It's not a relationship. We all want some boundaries. God's the same way. God wants boundaries in his relationship with you. This is why there are rules in your relationship, because God is actually valuable. If you have no standards, it is a reflection of your own self-worth. If you have no standards, no terms of engagement for how people engage with you, it is a reflection of how you see yourself. But when you have standards for how people treat you and engage with you, it is a reflection that you view yourself as valuable. And abusive and manipulative people will convince you that you're the problem for having standards. Needed to throw that in there, that when somebody condemns you for your standards. Now, it's one thing to just be egotistical. It's one thing to be just extreme and, like, you make people jump through hoops just to know you. That's one thing, you know. I mean, if somebody will jump through those hoops and you guys work it out, you know, praise God. But it's one thing to make people jump through unnecessary hoops. It's another thing to have standards. And I want to encourage you guys, because I know that, especially now, the romantic scene, the dating scene, it's a mess. I would agree, non-existent. It's just a mess. It's darkness. Everybody's just... There's no rules. There's no definition. Can I tell you that that is one of the most amazing things about God? is when God gets involved in an area of your life, he starts bringing all type of clarity and all types of definition. Can I tell you that I wasn't confused about how to date Gabrielle once I was walking with God? I wasn't, I'm gonna I'm be real with you guys. I was not confused. In the past, my relationships were a mess. When I started walking with Jesus, things were pretty clear. You can ask yourself a very simple question in a lot of different situations that will bring you a lot of clarity and save you a lot of long conversations. You can ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? And some of us, we need to ask that question more often. If we claim to be following him, because that's actually the goal. The goal is to say, man, what would Jesus do in this situation and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and empower you to do it? What would Jesus do? Would Jesus be talking this way? Would Jesus be having this conversation? Many times we're asking, hey, is it wrong if, is it bad if? The question is, what would Jesus do? because he came to set an example and give us a model and outside of him there's really no rules this is what this is what we see things devolving into and and it looks very strange to us but it is our society continuing to loose themselves from all sound teaching from all biblical values and Many times in society, the Bible is demonized, and we don't realize that it's the Bible that's actually been keeping society propped up for a long time. Got like three claps. But I want you to, because most of us, we don't look at life this way, and some of us, we're offended by that. But then people's lives are a mess, and you won't call it a mess because you don't want to define it. That's just their life. That's just their truth. They're doing terrible. They're miserable. And you do nothing to help except let them be miserable. Can't we just let everybody be miserable? That's not God's aim for you and I. And it was when I actually grasped, when I finally, like, stopped fighting against God, that I was actually able to experience what life is supposed to be like. But I spent years and years just trying to do my own thing and exploring every avenue of sin only to find that there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. It's darkness. There's nothing there. This is why in his kindness, God came and gave us a message that, hey, there might not be any light around you, but God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. And so walking with God, walking in the light is walking in the instruction of God. It's pretty simple. You know, a lot of times, man, we get into these complex situations in life. If I ask you, like, what's going on in your life, there's so many complexities to it. I understand. But can I tell you that most of the solutions are simple? It's true. Like, if you're just in a mess of a mental health situation. There's a disconnect between you and God. There is. And that's gonna offend some people, but it's going to be light to some of us. Now, I'm not saying that that is what caused your situation. That's not what I'm saying. Life circumstances, trauma, pain, Very difficult things happen to us, but when we are in a mess of a situation that we cannot get out of, and we are in that for a prolonged period of time, I doubt you would say that you're in that state, and things with you and God have been great. You've probably been feeling like he's a million miles away, and you haven't heard him, and that adds to the stress. So it's not a condemnation. But it's light being shown into your situation to say, hey, as complex as the issues get, the problems are many times still the same. That there is darkness because light isn't in there. And when we get confused and foggy and we don't feel like we know what's going on and life seems to be going all the wrong ways, there's darkness. And there's an absence of something there. There's an absence of light there. And can I tell you, when you, me included, because this is a human experience, this is not me telling you like, I never have issues and I never get anxious and I never get fearful and I never get stressed. I'm telling you what I do when I feel those things is I can at least acknowledge. It doesn't mean that I pull myself out of every emotional situation immediately. I don't want you to live in an unrealistic way. What I'm saying is when you can at least look at your situation and see it for what it is. That if I'm in a space where I'm overwhelmed, where I'm stressed, where I'm anxious, I know that I'm not hearing the voice of God in that moment. And at at some point in the journey, the instruction of God has become absent from an area, or I've started losing faith in the instruction of God, which might as well mean it's absent. Because when his word is present in an area of my life, there's power there. There's peace there. He is the Lord, our peace. If we don't have peace, there's some type of disconnect taking place because there's no way That you are living in peace and don't have peace. And if you're living in Christ, you have peace. But there's something that's like got the hose jammed where it's not getting to you. And you may need to examine the connection. Because he says, if you remain in me and I in you, that's really the whole thing. Like you will bear much fruit. He tells his disciples, they were going to go through all types of stuff. Heads cut off torture, burned at the stake, family members killed, they were going to go through extremely difficult situations. So I understand that many of us are going through challenges, but understand that the Bible is not talking to people who are not going through challenges. John, who wrote this letter, was thrown in a pot of boiling oil and survived. So yay, miracle, but not a miracle I want. Save that one, God. Give me the room temperature oil, the anointing oil, the cool oil, not the boiling oil. That's who's writing this. You know where You know John writes the, the, the letter of Revelation? The book that so many of us are scared to read was written by a guy who was exiled on an island. You think that was fun? That was a prison sentence. This is who's writing your Bible. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that Paul is writing from prison, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Paul's writing that from prison, and many of us, we discount it because we look at our situation as too difficult for the word of God. But can I tell you that light is just light. And there is no darkness that's too strong for light. Light shows up and it just shines. Light doesn't run into darkness like, oh, that's a lot of darkness. (laughs) Like you turn on the flashlight and the light just comes back like, whoa. (laughs) But that's a lot of times how we look at the Bible. Like, oh, oh, society's getting a little too crazy for this one, God. Oh, no, oh, they're going to cancel me. Uh, This one doesn't work anymore. Light is light. Light was light then. Light is light now. This is why he says God is light. Light was light at the beginning. It's why the, it's the first thing God created. Boom, let there be light. That's the first thing that needs to change. For some of us in our lives, that's the first thing that needs to happen. We just need to let some light shine in. We need to get God present in our lives. And we need to be reminded that when he comes in, he starts driving other stuff out. And can I tell you that sometimes you are going through things because you're holding on to things you don't need to hold on to. I'm going to share... A story I just saw, I mean, I know it's hard to clap. I came across a story literally earlier today. Very famous actor is telling this story. He's he's on a podcast doing an interview. And he says that he was was in a role and having trouble with the role. You know, you don't got to yell out the name. But he was having trouble with the role. So he goes over to the corner and says, come on, devil. Like asks for the devil to help him. Y'all probably watch the show. I'm just saying, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes we're watching stuff. Sometimes you're watching stuff. Hey, no, for real. Y'all need to hear this. Sometimes you're watching stuff, and there's something that goes like, mm, "There's a little something wrong with this." I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should keep watching, and we just keep watching because we want to chill, and we don't know that the actor was literally calling on the devil on set. And then he says he was having nightmares every night for like a month straight. I bet you were. But can I tell you, can I tell you that that's more common than what you would think? Without Jesus, you just do whatever. Like you do whatever you want. You go after whatever you want. And there is an enemy that's waiting for you to step into what he has for you. And darkness is present wherever the instruction of God is absent. And he's saying, you don't need to be walking in darkness. And some of us, we need to start disconnecting ourselves from some things that we know God is not in. There are things we have in our home, there are things we let in our eyes, in our ears, that's just dark. And we're asking well it's not that bad right is it dark because if it's dark it's probably going to affect you and i mean if life is going perfect for you like if you have no challenges like if you don't find yourself in weird mental spaces then by all means what you're doing is working perfectly but I mean, conversations, statistics, everything is telling me that we're struggling. And and I'm here to tell you in love that somebody needed to tell you. Because if if I don't tell you, some of you guys are going to hold on to things that are killing you. And somebody needs to tell you, just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. It's not benefiting you. And in the long run, you're not going to miss it. Some of you guys love some of your favorite artists. And you know what my least favorite topic to talk about in church? It's this, like music, movies, like all this stuff. Honestly, it's my least favorite thing to talk about. But honestly, it's like an idol in so many of our lives. Because our culture worships these things. And if when we look around at culture, it makes us feel so weird to not engage in certain things. But can I tell you that living like Jesus is going to be weird in comparison to a world that does not know him. And we like the idea of light. But light looks very different than darkness. Did you hear that? That we like the idea of light. If I say, do you want to be a light? Everybody's going to say, of course I want to be a light. Do you want to be a light around darkness? Because darkness doesn't always like light. Sometimes darkness wants to stay dark and is wondering why you're bringing a light. Light makes darkness uncomfortable. But God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And he is inviting you into living in the fullness of what he has for you. And his plan was never to leave you in darkness. His plan was always to bring you into the light. Down in the next chapter, John says specifically this. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. It doesn't get plainer than that. I write this to you. That's not the verse. Sorry. (laughs) Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. He says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours. but but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Many complex issues, very simple solution. That Jesus Christ is still the solution to all of the darkness in your life. And if you're walking in darkness, he's still inviting you to walk closer with him, to walk in the light. He says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That was the verse that they just had up. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So you guys can throw that up, verses 7 through 10, chapter 1. It says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We know that darkness is present wherever the instruction of God is absent. And the truth is that all of us have areas of our lives where we have not been wholeheartedly holding to the instruction of God. But can I tell you that the solution is to obey the instruction of God? That's the solution. Some of us want want God to rescue us out of situations that would change if we just obeyed him. We want God to change our circumstances, and God is saying, change your choices." Like, that's the goal here. God can change anything in your life. He can change any circumstance in your life. And I'm not saying that every circumstance in your life is a result of your choices. That is not what I'm saying. But some of them are. And some of us are in situations where we're mad at God because of decisions we are making. And if we don't get this revelation that God does care about our choices, and that sometimes our decision-making needs to change, then we're never going to get to the next step. This is like... One of those messages where I'm, literally, I'm like just dropping the mail off at your house. is between you and God. It's not even my business. God knows what you have going on. And I just felt strongly that he wanted me to talk about this. That God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And we are hurting ourselves when we choose to hold on to darkness. But if you will let the light in, let the instruction of God into your life. Let the instruction of God into your relationship life. Let the instruction of God into your finances. Let the instruction of God into your ambition. Some of us were fighting God because of what we want to do. And God wants what's best for you. And God has beauty in store for you. But can I tell you that God does not only have beauty in store for you. He also has challenges. He also has testing. He also has trials that end up in beauty. Can I tell you, it's some of the most difficult things that I've gone through in my life that have come to the most beautiful outcomes. And I can look back and say, if I did not go through that, I would not be who I am today. Like If I didn't go through testing after testing and trial after trial, I really wouldn't have anything powerful to share with you guys. It's it's not that over the last five years, it's not just amazing stuff that's happened in my life, that's grown me, is not. I'm different now than I was five years ago because of all the challenges I've been through. And can I tell you that, I mean, I've literally had some people ask, like, yo, like, what's changed? Like, this seems like there's something different in your preaching, and I'm like, yeah, I just be getting attacked all the time. <laughs> no, legitimately, and And I've gotten to the point that, like there's two roads in front of me. I'm gonna either quit, I'm gonna swing so hard that the devil's gonna think twice about the attacks. Because when you try to attack me, I'm gonna preach harder. Like when you try to attack me, I'm gonna preach the gospel more. You try to attack me, I'ma talk about your darkness. I'ma talk about your evil. I'ma talk about your sin. I'ma talk about the bondage. I'ma talk about the ways that you're trying to keep people bound. And I'm going to let them know that Jesus Christ still has all authority. I'ma let them know that there's still healing available. I'ma let them know there's still cleansing available. I'ma let them know that there's still peace available. So you can try to come at me. But you're dealing with a different one. And I just know that if some of us would get a little bit of that in our spirit, that we would be a light. Some of us, the enemy just just pushes that one button, and we give up, and we walk away from God. And that was the point. Now he wins. What if he pushes that button and you hit him back? Like, what if, what if he goes after that insecurity and you actually speak the word of God over your life? What if, what if when he pr- tries to point to what you don't have, you declare the truth? Oh, that, that the Lord is my provider. And we can say it. We can say it. But when you mean it, when you start declaring it over situations that don't look like you have what you need, that's when God starts showing up. Because, because Abraham, he ascended a mountain saying that the Lord will provide, not knowing how God was going to provide. Abraham took his son up a mountain when God told him to sacrifice his son. This sounds crazy. And he says, I know that the Lord will provide. And when he gets there, at the last minute, the Lord provides. Can I tell you that's how God likes to operate? He likes to see some faith and get involved. And darkness wants to snuff out faith. Sin wants to snuff out faith. That's what we don't realize we're missing out on when we hold on to sin, when we hold on to darkness. You don't have no faith anymore. You don't have power anymore. When's the last time you prayed and something changed? And we're mad at God when we're holding on to things that are killing our faith, which is killing our prayers, which is killing our purpose killing our effectiveness, and God is wanting to shine light into your situation so that you can actually live in the way that he designed you to live. He knows that you have an enemy, and he's come to give you authority over the enemy. He says, behold, look, check it out. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Just look, Some of us are looking at the enemy instead of looking at the power. We're looking at the situation instead of looking at the solution. We're looking at the anxiety instead of looking at our authority. And can I tell you, just try praying in faith. Praying the word of God in faith. And you will start seeing the power of God in your life. And this is why God would want to bring a message like this. Because he knows what's in store for you when you walk in the light. But the enemy knows what's in store for you when you walk in darkness. And darkness is leading you to destruction. So I got three quick things for you, how to walk in the light. One is you receive the forgiveness of Jesus. You receive the forgiveness of Jesus. You don't have to earn the forgiveness of Jesus. You don't have to work your way toward the forgiveness of Jesus you receive the forgiveness of Jesus. So many of us, we stay in a dark place because we just don't receive the forgiveness of Jesus. We'll argue with the forgiveness of Jesus. We'll say, God can't forgive me. I've done too much. All this, You're arguing with the grace of God, resisting the grace of God instead of embracing the grace of God. You think you've done too much. You think You think that things have gotten too dark for light to work. It doesn't matter how dark Dark is, light works. It doesn't matter how deep your sin has gotten, forgiveness still works. Grace still works. He says in verse 9 of chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just. And he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise that still stands. You receive the forgiveness of God. And this is an ongoing lifestyle for the believer. You keep receiving the grace of God. Keep receiving the forgiveness of God. When you mess up, receive the forgiveness of God. This is is why he says we can boldly approach the throne of grace. And when we find mercy in our time of need, you are not going to find a condemning God at the throne of grace. You find mercy at the throne of grace. It's the enemy trying to get you to not go to the throne of grace. But the path is wide open. The blood of Jesus cleanses us all. Has power over all. He says that he triumphed over every enemy on the cross. That he canceled the sin debt that we had in our lives. That he just canceled every trespass, every sin, every rebellion. He canceled it on the cross. So you cannot out-sin God's grace. But you cannot receive God's grace by your own choice. That's why the enemy, he's just always trying to trick you. He can't really do anything but convince you to do stuff. But if you just choose to do something else, you'd be amazed at the results. Like if you didn't listen to the voice that's telling you to condemn yourself all the time, and you were like, you know what? I'm going to try receiving the grace of God. Try that. See how it works out. I promise you, it'll be so much better than receiving fear and anxiousness and doubt and condemnation and hatred and darkness. Receive the forgiveness of God. Receive the grace of God. Receive the gospel for yourself. Believe that Jesus actually came with good news. The gospel is good news, that's what it means. And he says, that's what we go preach, the good news. Good news. You have forgiveness in the cross of Jesus Christ, and you can receive it daily, daily. What if you just wake up in the morning and choose, I'm going to walk in the grace of God today. I'm just going to walk in the forgiveness of Jesus today. I'm not going to sit around all day and think about all the sins I did yesterday. I'm not going to sit around and think about all the reasons that I'm going to be stuck in sin for the rest of my life. What if I just think about the fact that I'm going to be righteous for the rest of my life just because Jesus said so? And no, I can't make myself righteous, but he can make me righteous. He said that he could. If he can't, then that's on him. But I'm not going to stand in his way. I'm not going to stand in the way of him cleansing me. I'm not going to stand in the way of him making me free. Some of us are standing in the way of our own freedom by just choosing to not be free. Receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Number two is you practice the way of Jesus. You don't just believe in Jesus. You practice the way of Jesus. In chapter 3, he says these things. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Can I tell you that many of you guys have been struggling, and he's not saying that you're not saved because you're struggling. What he's doing is he's pointing to people who have no plans on ever obeying God. There are people, and that's who he's referring to, people who plan to make a practice of sinning, who give Jesus no lordship in their lives, who do not submit to his instruction. And can I tell you that that person is not of God. If Jesus has no lordship in your life, if he's not running anything in your life, if you don't submit to anything that he says in your life, you're not walking with him. If you are walking with him, There is a process of sanctification and cleansing. And can I tell you, you won't obey him perfectly, really, ever. But he will continue to perfect you and cleanse you. And can I tell you, you should be looking different, thinking different, acting different. Sometimes we don't like to talk about behavior anymore because God doesn't want to just do behavior modification. But can I tell you if your behavior never modifies, yeah. I'm wondering what God you're in relationship with because God doesn't let me just do whatever I want. Yeah. Who's Lord in that situation? That means I'm Lord because I make the rules and I do what I want. Why do I need a God? So you don't make a practice of sinning. And there are some things in your life that maybe leading you to practice sin. And can I tell you? It's time to let those things go. If there's anything in your life, if there's any one in your life that is leading you to practice sin. Practice sin, like sin regularly, like this is my thing that I do. Like this is my lifestyle. That's not of God. Amen. Amen. All right. We practice the way of Jesus, and the way of Jesus requires holiness, and holiness requires sacrifice. Can I tell you that to live in a way that is separate, to actually be a light is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to require you to do some uncomfortable things. It's going to require you to treat people better than they deserve to be treated. Like God never told you to forgive people when they deserve forgiveness. He says forgive them so that he'll forgive you. And some of us, we need to be reminded of what the word says because we make our own word in our heads sometimes. And that's why I encourage you to immerse yourself a little bit more in the word of God on an ongoing basis. That's how you practice the way of Jesus. And darkness is present where the instruction of God is absent. And when we invite the instruction of God into our lives... It's a beautiful thing. Read Psalm 119. It's like the longest psalm in existence, and it's just David talking about how amazing the instruction of God is. That's somebody who got it. Even our outreach night next week. This is a way that we practice the way of Jesus, where we we show up, and it's not just about us. So, no, you're not going to get a word next week. Fill up on this one. You're going to come and live out the word next week. And if this room is lighter next week, look. It shows that there's some growth that needs to take place in our lives because we can't just come and here. We got to do at some point. Amen? Amen. And last. So first, we receive the forgiveness of Jesus. We practice the way of Jesus. Last, we remain in the love of Jesus. Remain in the love of Jesus. This is not a message just telling you get better, get better, do better. This is remain in the love of Jesus. John says this in chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Do you know Jesus is going to show up? Like, do you think about the fact that you're going to have a conversation with Jesus? And, like, it's not going to be you accusing him and telling him what he should have done better and all the reasons that, like, he should have done better in your life. It's just not going to be that way. I don't... I don't care how much you plan that out in your head. Like, man, when I meet God, he got some questions to answer for me. (laughs) I hear people say that. Like, it's not going to be that way. I promise you. Like, John says, do these things so that when he shows up, like, you don't shrink back in shame. Because Jesus is coming, and Jesus is not coming, like, dainty. Jesus is God. Like, John saw him, and he says his eyes were, like, blazing fire. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. John saw him. John was like his best friend. And John says he fell on the ground like he was dead when he saw him. And Jesus had to pick him up and say, don't be afraid. He fell on the ground like he was dead when he saw Jesus. And he like knew Jesus personally. How do you think it's going to be for you? So what he's saying is remain in Jesus. Keep walking with him. It's going to be worth it and you, so that you can be confident as, at his coming. Be confident in your relationship with him. Be confident. And in verse 3, he said this, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. It's that simple. Some of us, we don't want to hear that anymore. Yes, keep the commands of Jesus. He said this, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Can I tell you, when you have a conversation with Jesus, you're going to feel so much better to be able to say that you have actually been trying to keep his commands rather than just blatantly disregarding them. That's not going to be a good feeling. Like, oh, I know he knows. I know he knows. I wasn't taking it seriously. What am I going to tell him? What am I going to say? How do I make this work? I just know he knows. I just got to take what comes. That's a terrible feeling. There should be an eagerness and an excitement to be reunited with God. And he's saying it's very simple. Just receive what I'm actually offering you. So we're closing here. He said this, back in chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Righteousness. And I just think there there is a healthy practice when we make some space in our lives regularly to invite the cleansing of God. And I tell you, it's not just a one-time thing. He's talking to the church here. He's not talking to a, a group of people who don't know God. He's saying if we confess our sins. He's faithful and he's just and he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us. Do you know how good that feels to know that when I confess my sins to Jesus, he's not coming back with a judgment towards me. Like He's not coming with a gavel. He's coming to cleanse. Like He'll wash me, cleanse me, actually make me new. Man, some of us, we've been struggling so much in a particular area because we haven't really grasped this concept that Jesus is not just waiting for you to change. He's waiting for you to bring it to him and allow him to cleanse you. Sometimes that comes with an uncomfortable instruction. Sometimes that comes with throwing some things out that cost money. I'm gonna tell you. Sometimes that comes with cutting ties with certain relationships. But can I tell you when when I invite Jesus to cleanse an area of my life and and the cost seems high, I ask him to help me. I ask him to help me. Like I don't have to just muster up all the strength and become somebody I'm not. I was sinning. This is why I showed up. So I don't just get the power in and of myself until I ask, Lord, help me with this. He might be telling me to forgive somebody, and I don't want to. I don't know how to. Lord, help me. Help me. That's one of the most powerful prayers you can pray when you pray it earnestly. I just want us to close our eyes. And I know that there are inevitably some some areas of your life or an area of your life, there is somewhere that the instruction of God has not been as present as it could be in your life. It It could be causing sin in your life. It might just be causing doubt in your life. It might be causing discouragement in your life. Can I tell you that it is not the spirit of God that's discouraging you and defeating you, making you feel like you're not good enough? That's not the spirit of God. Can I tell you that God can cleanse you from that? It's not not always all the things that feel so evil. I just want anything in in my life that's not of God, I want it out of my life. That means fear. is not of God, and he wants it out of your life. There are addictions that some of us are still battling with that God wants out of your life. And can I tell you, he is able to cleanse you, not from some unrighteousness, not from a little bit of unrighteousness. He is able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Anything that is not of him, anything that is dark, he can shine light on and he can cleanse. Your responsibility is not to change yourself, it may be to change your direction and go towards Him. Invite His instruction into your life. Some of us we've been stuck because we haven't known what His instruction is in the area of our lives. But allow Him to minister to you. What is, what is the area of your life? What is it? Where has there been darkness? Where has there been where has there been an absence of the instruction of Now I want you personally to practice this. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just, and he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess your sin to Jesus and invite him to forgive you, receive his forgiveness, and invite him to cleanse you. Lord, you are pointing out things that you want to cleanse because you are good and you are gracious and you are merciful, Lord, and some of us have felt stuck. Some of us have felt bound. Some of us have felt like these things are too strong for us, and even though they may be too strong for us, there's nothing that's too strong for you. And so, Lord, I pray for a revitalization of faith in our lives, Lord, would you refresh the faith of your people? God, I just pray that you do a work that only you can do by your spirit. Lord, that you would just give new perspective. Lord, I pray that we would even start feeling lighter. Lord, that you would start breaking the yokes and the chains and the bondages and the heaviness off of our lives. Lord, you have not given us a spirit of heaviness. Lord, you give us the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Lord, for every person that's been feeling heavy, that's been feeling weighty, that's been feeling dark, Lord. I pray for a filling of light in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that your word does work. Lord, your word does what you will send it out for it to do. It accomplishes what you send it out to do. And because your word went forth tonight, God, you are acting on your own behalf. You are following through on your own promises. I didn't say you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You said that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Father, I thank you for your cleansing power in your people right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, and I pray for a cleansing in our hearts, a cleansing in our minds, a cleansing of our hands, Lord. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? The pure in heart. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Lord, would you purify us? Would you cleanse us? Give us the gift of righteousness. Give us the gift of purity. Lord, I pray that you would purify our thinking. Lord, I pray that you would help us to make difficult decisions with courage and with boldness. Lord, some of us have been choosing to stay stuck because we don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation. Lord, that is not of you. Lord, I pray for the spirit of boldness in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that a boldness would rise up in your people to do what you've called us to to do. You've called us to walk in authority. Lord, you've called us to walk with clarity. Lord, you've told us that you've given us everything that we need for a life of godliness, and it's all found in you. And so Lord, I just pray that you would start pouring fresh oil over your people right now, God. Pour out your spirit fresh over your people. Lord, I pray that you'll fill your people with strength right now in the name of Jesus, because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to navigate every situation in our lives. I pray that you would pour out wisdom that where we need wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would open doors that we need open. I pray that you would shut doors that need to be shut. God, I pray for job openings in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for relationship openings in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for resources to be sent. Lord, for friendships to be sent. Lord, I pray that you would put the the, the lonely into family. Lord, that you would put those of us who are lonely into community. Lord, you cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. There's so many effects of our sin. Sometimes sin has isolated us, and we don't even realize that as you're cleansing us from our sin, you actually have the right relationships in store for us that we wouldn't have been able to be in in our previous condition. And so, Lord, I just thank you for the good things that you have in store. I thank you that you are working all things together for the good, for the good, for the good, for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. Lord, we love you. We give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can stand to your feet. There's one more thing that I want to do. You know, sometimes, well, I'll just say all the time, I'm just following what, what, I, what I sense God is leading me to do uh, in different moments. And when I'm doing closing moments and I'm praying, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a salvation prayer or salvation call up front. Sometimes there isn't one. Most of the time there is. And sometimes it's after the children are fed. Sometimes I feel like God wants to talk to his own first and he doesn't always want to talk to those who haven't been walking with him first. Sometimes he just wants to deal with his own kids and encourage his own kids and comfort his own kids. And then after that, he wants to invite some others into the family. And I just believe that there are some people in here tonight who, man, you may have received what was just prayed. You may have prayed with us. You may have had a great time, but you may not have been walking with God before you came in here. You may be watching online and you haven't been walking with God. And God started drawing on your heart and calling you to actually step into relationship with him. And I believe that God wants to give you an opportunity tonight to make a firm and bold decision. And this is actually different than how I normally do it, but this is what I feel like the Lord is saying tonight that if you are wanting to step into a relationship with him, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come down here and I wanna pray with you. And I told you at the beginning that I believe God's heart is for this to be a thriving community of people who are fully alive. And you would be surprised at how much support you have and how much support you need to know you have in making this decision. And so, if that's you, if that's you, I just want to offer an opportunity. I'm not trying to force you, I'm not trying to make something happen. I just believe that there's at least one person in here who needs to come down here and make a firm decision. I see you, brother. I see you, brother. I see you, brother. I see you. I see you, bro. Yeah, yeah, come on. You guys don't even know how much God has been waiting on you. How much God has been looking at you, looking over you, looking after you, keeping you and covering you. My prayer is that you sense even in this moment how much God loves you. Listen to this family you have behind you. I see you. I see you, brother. Listen to this family you have behind you. You're about to start a new journey. You're about to start a new journey, a new path in life, and God is with you. God is with you. He calls himself Emmanuel, God with us. There's a calling over your life. God has called you, he's given you purpose, but you cannot access or walk in that purpose without him. It requires him. And can I tell you that you guys are not down here just because of your own reasoning in your mind. Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. It is almighty God, the God of all creation, The God of heaven, the God of earth, the God who spoke the galaxies into existence, the God who said, let there be light is saying, let there be light in your life. Let light shine in the dark areas of your life. I'm going to fill you with my presence is what he's saying. You are going to be a temple of my spirit. Is there anybody else? Before we move forward, is there anybody else? the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God. Is there anybody else? I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. you. Praise God. Praise God. Man, God is so good. Man, God sent you guys here tonight. He sent you guys here tonight. You've been called by name. He sees you, He knows you, He called you here. You didn't even end up here by coincidence. The gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ pricked your heart tonight. The spirit of God drew you into relationship with him tonight. I'm not rushing through this moment because you need to understand how beautiful this moment is. This is your life, changing direction. This is you finding purpose. This is you finding true identity. This is you finding light. But can I tell you, this is light finding you. This is God finding you. God drawing you, God calling you, God saving you. It is by grace that you've been saved, not by works, not because the good things that you've done or the bad things that you've done, it's just because God loves you so much that nothing could stand in the way of him making sure that you were here tonight and making sure that you are down here at this stage. I can't tell you the last time I called people to the front. God was calling you, not me. This was God just calling you into relationship with him. And can I tell you firmly, I know that this is because God has important things in store for each and every one of you guys as individuals, and you needed to make a physical move, not just a private decision, not just a decision in your mind. Some of you guys have been going in cycles and cycles and cycles, doubt and doubt and doubt. And some of you guys even doubt God's ability to change you. And that is why he wanted you to show up down here in an undeniable posture, in an undeniable move where there's no going back. Because if it was just in your head, You could work yourself out of that. You could think your way out of that, but there's no going back from here. There's no going back from here. You came down here to meet with God and there's no turning back. And so I want you guys to pray this prayer with me. And we normally have everybody across the room who believes pray this, but I believe that you guys need to pray this. I just believe that God wanted to do something so personal with you guys tonight that he shifted our agenda. I don't know I don't know what he has in store for you guys. I don't know the particular callings on you guys' lives. I know that when God chooses to do something unique, it's because he has something in store. And so I'm just being obedient to what he's saying. But here's what I believe. I believe that there needs to be a a firm decision made and a, ver- a vocal decision made from you to Jesus. And I'm gonna explain this to you before you pray it. What you're about to do is you are about to acknowledge who Jesus is. And this is important for all of you guys to hear. This is why I pray the salvation prayer the way that I pray it. You acknowledge that Jesus is not just a man, but Jesus is the son of almighty God, and he's God himself. You acknowledge that he put on human flesh because if he didn't put on human flesh, he couldn't take on human sin but he put on human flesh and he died. He lived a sinless life and he died on a cross for your sins because he exchanged. He exchanged his sinlessness for your sin. He exchanged his righteousness for your unrighteousness. And so he gave you his sinlessness, his purity, his righteousness, and he took on your sin. He took on your darkness. He took on your wickedness. He took on your bad decisions and he just gave you his good ones. And you believe he died but he didn't stay dead. Because if he stayed dead, there would be no exchange. But he came back to life. He walked out of the grave with all power, all authority in heaven and on earth. And he has the power to forgive you. Can I tell you, it takes power to forgive you of your sins. There's nobody on this earth that can forgive you of your sins. There's no one of your friends. There's nobody in your family. There's nobody else around who can forgive you of sins. It is the good news. It's the grace of God that somebody has the ability to forgive you and it is through what Jesus did that God has given him the authority. The father has given the son authority to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and you receive that forgiveness and then you establish him as Lord, master, leader of your life because now you exchange your life for his. Just like you receive his righteousness, you receive his cleanliness, you receive his purity, you also receive his instruction, you also receive his lordship, and you give up your right to control your life. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. You give up your right to control your life and you give him control and you give it to him forever. No turning back, only moving forward and following him forever and walking in a beautiful relationship with your father. Is in heaven. Are you guys ready to do that? Okay, I want you guys to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are God Almighty. I believe that you put on human flesh, that you lived a sinless life, and that you died on a cross to pay the price for my sins I believe that you resurrected that you're alive right now that you have all authority and that you have the power to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me and so I repent for my sins I turn away from my old life there's no going back the old me is gone and I turn completely to you. I make you the Lord of my life. I will follow you forever in relationship with you. And I will remain in your love, in Jesus' name, amen. Look. We're just gonna take a few minutes to worship God because He's good enough. He's too good for us to leave here without praising Him, without worshiping Him. And so if you're grateful that God has cleansed you, if you're grateful that God is still merciful and gracious and He's still changing your life, if you're grateful that the darkness has not overcome the light, if you're grateful that the name of Jesus is still the name above every name, then let's worship him for just a few minutes like he is who he says he is.